Today with Mark Hansen, and you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of the notable Blu-rays and DVDs yep. that come out every week at Bay Street Video. And we stress come out every week here, here. because there are a lot of things that have not arrived here yet. <laughs> Why is that? Is it like um, a big boutique that's keeping you I mean, from receiving I could, them? I could spend a whole podcast episode talking about why we haven't received product, but one of the main issues was that the Technicolor plant in Canada Oh, this old song. I know, I know. I'm going to bore you with this story again. <laughs> but, there was one Technicolor plant in Canada that was responsible for all disc duplications mm-hmm. in Canada, and that would be like any product, like Show Factory or whatever that would come through Canada. That place shut down back in like... March. Wait, so there's no place open anymore? No. So all those operations got transferred to a plant in the U.S., which is still dealing with all the Canadian stuff, but apparently nobody in the U.S. thought that Canadians buy discs mm-hmm. or something. So, so Amazon the, the just gets them from is, where? I think they go direct with a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, we don't have a direct line to Shout Factory. We have, like, a middleman supplier that goes through. Could you get a Amazon, direct line? I tried. It doesn't seem. No. We can. Yeah. But um, the cost is not great. That's mm. the problem. Because our suppliers basically take care of, like, import fees and right. exchange rate and stuff like that. Going direct uh, basically has a whole host of issues. But Amazon is a massive corporation, so mm-hmm. they can do whatever they want. Yeah, they, money doesn't so, mean anything to them. So there's a lot of Shout Factory releases over the last month or so uh, that have not arrived, and also a lot of Kino releases that have not arrived. Will but this be a regular some? thing, though? I don't know. The thing <laughs> is, know. when we were told this plant was closing in March, they said there was going to be kind of like a blackout period until May. Forever. Sorry, did I say May? Yeah. Now we're in late August and we still haven't got, like, we still haven't gotten the Shout Factory edition of Explorers. That came out back in May at this Mm -hmm. point. The Hand, which I was really looking forward to. The Oliver Stone film? Yeah. (laughs) Hasn't arrived yet. Even The Dead Zone, which was out like a month ago from Shout. We haven't seen copies of that yet, so it's really frustrating. So us. it's just somebody that just doesn't care, right? That's like, apparently hey, we don't the, want to ship them. Apparently the company that's responsible for distributing Shout Factory through to Canada is just, like, messing things up for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I guess they just, like, underestimated the demand, and they're just, like, they're not working fast enough to catch up with, like, pressing discs. Because it even applies to restock of older titles. We're waiting on, like just catalog stuff too it's not even just new stuff i i wonder what are the other like places they have to send discs to like shout factory yeah i mean well they do, they sell obviously directly to mm-hmm. customers and i think that's kind of where oh really so lie. is there even a delay on that too i don't think so the the rep i, I did talk to somebody at shout factory and they said it's causing delays in the u.s but i think if you're buying directly from Shout mm-hmm. Factory, it's a different system, and you'll get your disc faster. But the problem is then you're paying U.S. prices and shipping and whatever. So, yeah, that's kind of where it is. So, uh, something a little bit more positive. Let's move yeah. into the Let's Blu-rays that we have. Criterion, they never let you down, right? They arrive never. on time. Yeah, no, they're always here. That's great. It's great. So, we have Afterlife, the film by Hirokazu Koreeda, and he's a big name now. He's got all those films like... Air doll and <laughs> yeah, what, the, what the was his newest one? Come out over yeah. here. Shoplifters. <laughs> Didn't see it. Big... I don't think I've seen any of his films other than Afterlife. Yeah, I think yeah, he's a huge deal now. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm the same. I've seen Afterlife. I actually saw Afterlife in film school. They showed it to us. When yeah, it's one, of those, one like, of those like films. Hundred movies you need to see before yeah, you exactly. die. Uh, and I have seen Air Doll because I saw that at TIFF and I quite liked it. I remember I playing TIFF. It. Someone, everyone was seeing it at the time. I know, and it's never come out since then. Which That's is weird. Uh, so Afterlife though is his big let's 
that's a blockbuster hit with the art house circles. Oh, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Lots of contradictions there. And it's, it has a great premise, which is a bunch of people died. They're in the afterlife and they have to recreate memories for people. Yeah. And it's done very realistically. It's not like what dreams may come. Another afterlife classic. Great film. Great film. <laughs> and it's just really fun. And it's nice that Criterion stepped up and did a new audio commentary. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what, what is Criterion really? doing now? They're what, actually who? doing new things? What's going on? <laughs> new interviews with the director and the cinematographer. Deleted scenes. That's not new. And an essay. Oh, man. Maybe yeah. Criterion hired somebody new to work for them. And they're like, hey, what if we did new stuff? New and stuff. they're like, will it cost money? <laughs> nah, we'll get film scholars to talk. It won't. I mean, there's not a ton of stuff no. on this, though, either. It is pretty. But you know what? No, no, no. It's... But what I said, interviews, yeah. commentary, a book. That's more than, yeah. like, and you say there's not that much stuff because you're looking at the back and it's not a giant block of text, I know. which sometimes it fools block. you, though, because you look and you're like, oh, it looks like, what? The subtitle thing takes up, like, three lines. I know it does. So, but no, this is a great film. And it's been out of print for, like, as long as I remember. I know it was put out on, like, a really crappy, like, New Yorker DVD, I think. It wasn't, like, Arts Magic or something no, like I that? No, I think it was New Yorker. Mm. Remember that company? Yeah, so it's been a long time coming for this. So I have in my hands here a film I've never seen, and I put on this list just because it had the title of The Great Gabbo. Yes, that's right, Gabbo. <laughs> and it is about a ventriloquist, or I don't know, who could it be about? Gabbo, 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 he's Gabbo. coming. <laughs> Who's Gabbo? I don't know, but he's coming. <laughs> and it stars Eric von Stronheim, and it's one of Hollywood's earliest and most peculiar musicals. Eric von Stronheim plays an egotistical ventriloquist who casts a Sven, Sven Valley-like spell upon an, oh man, too many words I can't say, ingenue, <laughs> against the backdrop of singularly strange numbers, including Icky and the spider and fly theme caught in a web. And it's directed by James Cruz, a very famous silent movie director. Cool. Yeah. Good work, Kino. Um, yeah, no, this is a big, a big silent classic, right? People sure. really like this. I don't I think, think I'd ever heard about it before. I've heard so of I don't this know. Film. This. Yeah, I think it's just one of those titles that, well, maybe I just know it because of the mm. Gabo connection. But uh, yeah, great stuff from them. So moving on, we have Moments Without Proper Names. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I put this on. It was actually a double uh, helping of sort of like experimental stuff from Kino out this week. We've got, yeah, Moments Without Proper Names. And I haven't seen either of these either, so I'm just going to just gonna spit ball. <laughs> they just look interesting. They yep. just look interesting. So, yeah, this first one is from uh, director Gordon Parks, who, of course, is the director of Shaft and The Learning Tree, among other films. This is his final film, and it's sort of like a documentary self-portrait thing where, yeah, he turns the camera upon himself and creates a deeply personal and remarkably poetic self-portrait. It blends his uh, photographs that he took over four decades, stuff about the artist, musical compositions, uh, has some of the actors that he worked with, and basically, yeah, it's just kind of like a summation of his career in mm -hmm. sort of like a experimental documentary kind of way. Never how, been out before. How many copies of these kind of films do you sell? Not a ton. Yeah. I mean, we do sell. Yeah, this isn't a noir no. and or a western but or we horror do, film. We do sell a few. Mm -hmm. I mean, these do you know apply to the very intellectual film lover. Mm -hmm. And yeah, something like this again. It's like part of Kino's 
Library of Congress sort of like restoration series. So there is like a market for these. And I'm again, I'm glad they put this stuff out because for a while you could only see these kind of things at museums, mm -hmm. or archives, or stuff like that. Well, you have another one here too. And yeah, they've also put out the Ken Jacobs Collection, Volume One, which I guess means there's a Volume Two coming out mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, but yeah, Ken Jacobs is a very famous um, experimental filmmaker from New York. And yeah, there hasn't, as far as I know, been very comprehensive sets of his stuff been released. Again, it's kind of like we've talked about in the past with experimental stuff. It sometimes just gets relegated to museums and art galleries, and there's not really a lot of like home viewing opportunities for it. Especially when it's this great set of um, you know more short subjects. Yeah. Like uh, this one has like a 27 minute short, uh, 19 minute short. Also some features: The Sky mm. Socialist for Ken Jacobs and Tom Tom the Piper Son. Can't say I'm very familiar with these, but it looks serious. This is a giant block of text on the back of this Blu-ray. Yeah, I studied him a bit in school. He's one of those guys that like I know of, but I need to really like mm -hmm. dive into his stuff. But I'm actually considering picking this up because it's just I love these kind of sets and I love these kind of experimental works and he is like definitely one of the at the forefront of the New York experimental film scene. So moving on to stuff that uh, I mean also Mark I'm sure will recommend <laughs> I mean look at this cover yeah. Evil in the Deep rips your nerves to shreds. I know. There's a photo of a shark coming through some guy's underwater visor. It looks like he's sweaty and there's a <laughs> boat being capsized and a woman in a bikini being knocked off and it's released by Dark Forces and Code Red, who have never led me astray ever, never, right, Mark? Never, And for all those reasons you stated, it is this week's Blind Buy. Woo! Blind Buy, yeah! You know, as soon as I see a shark on the cover <laughs> and we haven't seen it, it's going to be the Blind Buy. But this, this one week. also had a fun novelty element to it. It did, Which yeah. is the reason that Mark's like, we got to watch this. What is it, Mark? So this film wasn't initially called Evil in the Deep. It was called The Treasure of the Jamaica Reef, and mm -hmm. it was a G-rated family film uh, about a group of really boring, uninteresting <laughs> explorers who get together and drive like a, a winery truck like all the way to somehow they get to Jamaica and they're looking for basically like this fabled treasure that is at the bottom of the Jamaica reef. Really boring stuff. It's mostly just made for the scenic footage. They shot it in this kind of like scope sort of aspect where you just get a lot of like Caribbean landscape footage. But wait, Jaws came out. Could well, we perhaps came out. Uh, shoot some new like X-rated footage of nudity and gore and insert it into this G-rated family film? I think we can. Oh. And we can call it Evil in the Deep. But what's this? The version that Dark Forces put out is the G-rated cut. Yeah, so this is really unfortunate. So I was looking forward to this movie specifically to see like awkwardly cut in mm -hmm. gory footage of sharks being put into a movie that, you know, otherwise doesn't need it. And then I watched this film and you don't get any of that. I'm watching like half of it. There's no shark footage. There's no gory footage. It's pretty G-rated. Like boring. It's supposed to be really boring. Yeah. Absolutely boring. Although it's strange. At the beginning, it's like weirdly edited at the beginning when yeah. they're introducing the characters. So I almost thought at the beginning, like, oh, okay, here's the sort of weird editing aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But no, what Dark Force and Code Red have done is instead of putting together that cut or two separate cuts of it, They've just done the original cut of Treasure of Jamaica Reef and then included all the 
gore stuff separate as a special feature. why would you do that why it's would like you a deleted just scenes thing offer like, like just edit it in it'll take right? a couple of hours i like, could do it at home why would you even advertise this movie as evil in the deep when you're not really because no one's gonna buy a film really called treasure of jamaica I know, reef but then put the footage in that's the whole i point. don't understand that's the whole idea i actually watch mm. evil in the deep version it is very boring but every like 10 15 minutes there'll be a shot where you're like <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> like a goofy chase that has music like bam 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 which ends is, with <laughs> the woman on the top of the car who's like Wee! <laughs> like dying in a horrifying way and they cut the footage of like her brains on her head and they're like oh or that opening that's really weirdly edited has tons of murders in it and there's even like a topless woman that gets thrown in the water and like sharks eat her and see I didn't get any of that <laughs> mm. and I'm really disappointed to get any of that I mean that's weird to me because I remember the, the chase sequence you're talking about was like Maybe the most entertaining mm. part of the movie because it was actually, but like, it doesn't end with a brutal murder. But like, what? Because that character is alive throughout the rest of the movie, <laughs> so like, they kill her in that scene. I'm confused. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they make it look like it's a different character that you uh, don't see her okay, face. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I will say I was getting confused with who everybody was because mm. they're all just so boring. What do you mean, Peter Graves? <laughs> yeah, Charisma right? Dynamo himself. <laughs> I know. There's so, weird narration too throughout the whole thing, like explaining. Oh yeah, there is. Going. The uh, X-rated cut as well. But even saying that, I would not recommend Evil in the Deep. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I'd love to see the version with the shark footage. <laughs> now you I'm never really will. disappointed that I never saw that. You will never go back to it to watch right? that footage. And that's the thing. If it included the shark footage, maybe I would give it a bit of a higher <laughs> recommendation. But just the way <laughs> higher than don't out, watch it. Yeah, probably. Maybe like it would warrant a curiosity mm. factor thing. But if you're not like if you have to watch them as a special feature, like, what's the point? So. So moving on, we have, oh, this looks like a Mark favorite, a movie <laughs> yeah. that's really only famous for one thing, I think. <laughs> Havoc. Havoc, yeah. This is uh, pretty much forgotten 2005-ish delinquent teens drama. I mean, I've heard from people, not that I've seen it myself, that Anne Hathaway perhaps goes topless in the movie. She does. She does. And that was a big point of uh, interest at the time. The Princess Diaries herself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the same year that Brokeback Mountain came out and she uh, was, you know, everybody was like, was oh, it the same year? I, it was. I yeah. thought Havoc was way before when she was like, I don't know what to do with no, my career. It came mm. out the same year uh, and it was even shot like the year before. So it wasn't even like mm. that old and they kind of like held it. But yeah, they were basically kind of being like, oh, and you know, you're taking your top off. So that means you're a serious actress because, you know, film journalists are <laughs> sexist. <laughs> Terrible. And yeah. This film, though, I mean, I'm not going to say I like this. Uh, I liked it when I saw it as yeah. a teenager, but like it's not a good movie. Yeah, it's basically about like Anne Hathaway and her friends are like rich white kids from Beverly Hills and they start to like, they want some danger in their lives, so they start, they go down to like the poorer parts of LA and get involved in like the Latino gang culture and she oh, falls no. for Freddie Rodriguez's character and it's like I mean, there's an interesting movie to be made there about, like, white privilege and everything. Uh, <laughs> it ain't Havoc. It's not Havoc. Interesting thing is, though, it has some pedigree behind it. It's directed by Barbara Koppel, who is a very famous documentarian behind Harlan County, USA, American Dream, uh, lots of big films. I think this might be her only fictional film. It was originally written by a screenwriter named Jessica Kaplan, I mm -hmm. think, who wrote it when she was 14. So it's kind of one of those movies like 13, where it's like written by a kid from her perspective. She was trying to like base it off of her friends and everything. And she wrote it in like the early 90s. It sold to New Line and just sat on the shelf for like years years and years. And then Stephen Gagan, the guy who wrote Traffic and everything, mm -hmm. he came on to do a rewrite. 
And then they finally made it, but apparently the producers took it away from Barbara Koppel and re-edited it before it came Boo. out. So Anne Hathaway refused to do any press for it at the time, and it ended up going straight to DVD. So now it's out from Shout Factory. <laughs> but you know what's good? It's a Shout Select. Uh, it's a Shout Select Which means nothing. Which means Look at the back. There's not one special on feature. I, know. I don't know why they're even putting this movie out. I mean, again, it's like mildly entertaining in a trashy way, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know what, like, I don't know who really cares about this movie anymore, other than I guess putting Anne Hathaway on the front and just hoping people recognize That's much the it. star power. But, you know, I had fun with it at the time. I mean, it's definitely probably super racist now. <laughs> like I haven't oh, definitely. Back. I haven't gone back and rewatched it. I'd like to see maybe what her original director's cut was, because I believe Barbara Koppel's a good director. I mm-hmm. just don't know what this is. It could be something like Love Crimes, where it was yeah, a right? compromise from the get-go, so there isn't even really a director's cut exactly, at any point. Exactly. So, moving on. Wait, actually, before that, I want to say, Shout Selects, though. They're, they're getting back in my good books. Do you see the big announcement? Nothing but, they're but really, trouble. Nothing but trouble as a special excited. edition. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, that movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. It awful, scared the crap out of all movie. of us. Yeah, Just horrifying. Awful, but I can't wait to rewatch it. Oh, especially Dan Aykroyd oh, being like, mm, yeah. Crystal Head Vodka. That's what really influenced me. To... <laughs> and there's actually some features on it, yeah, too, which did. I was very surprised by. I feel like that's a cult film that has such a reputation that doing special features is like, like it's, it's yeah. funny that you're doing you that. Have yeah, you have to. I think it's going to be one of those movies that sells like hotcakes. I can though, guarantee you it will sell like, like hotcakes. Even though it's a terrible movie and everybody hates it, it's just one of those things. It's like built up such a reputation. But it's like now nothing else years. you've ever seen. It like really you watch isn't. it and you're yeah. like, oh my God. Oh, it's great. I love those kind of like, van- it's like a vanity product, great vanity product. What's the name of the roller coaster that like strips people's skins? It's like Bone remember. Shaker or something yeah, like yeah, that. I love great. that. It's been really? forever. Like I used to watch it a bunch. Uh, Giant as a kid Baby Man. I had it on VHS. Why yeah. would your parents buy that? They're like, you like the Ghostbusters? You like Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, it was like a dick nose the entire time. It was just like that. It was like, oh, there's a bunch of famous people in this. It looks kind of like Tim Burton-esque because I was really into Tim Burton. You know, there you go. (laughs) So moving on, we have Haunted, a film that I'm not familiar with, so I'll let Mark take this one. Yeah, so, well, generic title alert here. Mm -hmm. There's probably a thousand movies called Haunted, but this is the one from 1995, which stars Aidan Quinn and Kate Beckinsale in one of her earlier roles, as well as Sir John Gielgud, directed by Lewis Gilbert, who did a bunch of James Bond movies like Mm. Moonraker, the best. Roger Moore, James Never Bond. seen it. Oh, no way, really. I was never a James Bond guy. Yeah, that's fair. I was like, even as a kid, I'm like, he's real sexist. Yes, and these films is. are very long. Oh, yeah. And Roger Moore in particular is very old in his ones, <laughs> I love so. that. I yeah. love old it's Roger funny. Moore. It's funny. Yeah. Um, Casino yeah. Royale, that's the only one that's had the place in my heart. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Woody Allen on screen. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Yeah, oh, we're yeah, talking about a different the, casino. The right one, yeah. <laughs> so um, Haunted. But anyways, Lewis Gilbert's directed a lot of big British mm-hmm. films. Anyways, this is one of the last films he directed in his career, and it's kind of like a Henry James-esque period horror movie. Aiden Quinn plays like a skeptic who basically like goes to um, seance type things and like disproves them. Disproves them. Yeah. It's like it's a sham, you know. <laughs> like the opening scene is where he's like at one of these and then he like exposes it in front of everybody. It's like oh, there's something over here and mm-hmm. you're making noises over there. Anyways, he goes to this haunted, this supposedly haunted manor out in the English countryside. You know, very skeptical. And of course, it actually is haunted. Mm. I really, I saw this movie as a kid because for some reason it was on. TV a lot and I watched it and it really scared the crap out of me as a kid. I remember revisiting it maybe like a decade or so ago and it actually held up fairly well. It's just like 
It's a good little, you know, period horror movie for fans of that kind of thing. It is being put out by Imprint. I cannot believe how expensive so it is. How price. close <laughs> will Imprint get to just having $100? I know. They're blue, really like, creeping they're, up there. Yeah. When we first got them, they were like 50 55 and then it was I like was even 60, buying them then. 65 Now this one is at $73.95. And it's like, that is I, insane. I like this movie, but it's like... It's kind of like a, it's just like a 90s horror movie. Yeah. It's not like some huge deal. I mean, it does come with a bunch of features, which is nice. They always do. But yeah, I mean, even for me, I like this movie, but I don't know. The only one I considered buying it, it's was not Bay Street. And it's I not Bay Street making that. a bunch of money off this either. No, that's the thing. It's not like we're jacking the prices up because, oh, it's like a fancy import. No, like we get it sold to us at like a ridiculously high price. And then we do like a bit of a markup because we have to make some money mm-hmm. here. But we don't even mark our stuff up that high. So we're trying to be as reasonable as possible. Possible. But you know what? We've sold. I brought two copies in for sale. Wow. Both of them have sold already. I, I, so I almost more. cannot believe it's that. Crazy. I mean, they look nice and they everything, and I would buy well, You can rent it. them at Bay Street, too. Yeah, you can rent this, too, because the other thing, yeah, we have a DVD rental, but it was only ever on DVD and full screen. Mm. It was just a bad-looking DVD. So it actually hasn't really been available in a nice-looking format for a while. So if you just want to watch it, want a good spooky little horror movie, check you it know, out. Right on my list for Shocktober. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a great Shocktober movie. It's got that like class. It's got like a nice classy <laughs> yeah. level to it. It's so, good. It's good. Moving on, we have Baiser Moi, which I believe, if it was actually translated correctly, means fuck me in French. I always thought it was rape me, but yeah, then I, no. read, I read earlier. Baiser today is not when, rape me. Yeah, yet. yeah. Uh, you can say uh, like uh, je l'ai baiser. It's not slang we use in Canada very often, okay. but I've heard it before as like fuck me. But yeah. yes. I remember when the film first came out, it was being referred to a lot as rape me mm-hmm. by uh, American but yeah, this is a pretty shocking film, kind of an early part of the new French extremity. Wait, I also have to say that Baiser, a Baiser is just like a kiss on the cheek as well. Uh, okay. So okay. it's like slang, it goes both ways. Oh, well, this is definitely not like a kiss on the no. cheek, this movie. This is a hardcore film. It's from Virginie Despont, who was a sex worker herself before becoming an author and a filmmaker. And it's basically based on her, her basically her real life experience of being gang raped mm-hmm. when she was like 17. And this is a movie about two sex workers, one of whom is gang raped, and they go on like basically a killing spree. This was, you know, obviously caused a lot, a huge stir when it came out. Obviously, it's super violent. It's also very pornographic. The two lead actresses are porn actors, mm-hmm. one of whom committed suicide actually oh, a few years sucks. after Karen Bach. And uh, I remember her saying something about how she had like a lot of regrets about being in the porn industry or just basically oh. how like sleep the porn industry was, which is yeah. like obviously no surprise. Yeah, if we only but, legalize it and make it all right, something that everybody yeah. experiences, or it actually um, not experiences, but uh, absorbs, <laughs> yeah, goes exactly. out to, to watch, maybe it wouldn't be as sleazy and maybe exactly, there'd be more regulations right. around it. Yeah, sex work should be legitimized, yeah. obviously. And this movie is a great call to arms for that, I guess, but also while still being like pretty entertaining, like it's a really entertaining, propulsive sort of revenge thriller. I never watched it because I was always like, oh, it sounds so miserable. It is. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, the rape revenge kind of thing, but like spun on its head. But the fact that it's, it's directed grimy. by a woman, yeah, the fact that yeah. there's porn actors in the main role, that's like taking power away from usually yeah. the male gaze. Did you ever hear and about the... It doesn't the... flinch, right? Like, yeah. It definitely like is throwing this in your face and that's what this kind of movie should do. Did you hear the story of when it played at the University of Toronto screenings they did and it was no. pitched as like Cult Night and it was like Faisé Moi and it was what is that vampire film? Trouble Every Day. Yeah, it was Trouble Every Day. Yeah. So people were like, yeah, sweet, a fun cult film. And they were like, oh, and there was that's like so the, many walkouts when it yeah. played. Well, that's the thing. Even like 
compared to something like the more recent movie Revenge, right? Which is like Which, also the same kind of like mm, a rape revenge movie. But Revenge is more glossy it's and like glossy. an yeah. Like that's more of like an entertaining mm. type ride. This is basically just like, no, there's a lot of awful people out there in the world. And did, that, is, did the director do anything else? I remember looking her up I and seeing that she didn't. No. I thought. She's an author, so she's written mm. more books. Okay. I think this is the only film she's, because uh, this is based on her own novel. And then she did a series of books that I think have been turned into a TV show, uh, Vernon Sabutex. I don't think she's made any other films. I think she's been involved in some documentaries and such, mm-hmm. but that's it. So moving on, we have one that I ha- <laughs> I am shocked I've never seen because I have oh, vivid really, memories eh? <laughs> of picking it up at the Real Canadian Superstore that I worked oh, with. Yeah. They had a DVD bin and you this know movie. What? I think that's where I bought my DVD copy at Real Canadian Superstore. Clay Pigeons. <laughs> uh, I was like, ooh, from the director of Shanghai Nights. Oh, I- <laughs> <laughs> yep, David Dobkin. David Dobkin, who wow. I remember at the time was saying everything right because I think he went from Clay Pigeons. Did he go right to Shanghai Nights or did he do something in between? I think he went right to that, but mm-hmm. then it was with Wedding Crashers that he really yeah like, that he really popped. Up, and then I of think, course right? we all remember Fred Claus. Fred Claus, yeah. And then <laughs> a film he... that was delayed for I think a year to a get it perfect. Time. Yeah. And then he did the, he did that dramatic film, The Judge, right? With Robert yes, Downey Jr. That's right, it was Robert Downey Jr. Was but I remember hearing him talking. I'm like, oh, this guy sounds cool. Like especially Shanghai Nights. Like he really wanted to do it a specific way. He's like, right. I love Jackie Chan. And his first film, Clay Pigeons, is just another Tarantino riff, isn't it? Yeah, a Coen Brothers riff. Coen Brothers, right. I would right. say it's like very obviously like a Fargo type mm. like riff. That kind of like dark comedy crime thing that happens in like a small like rural. So you have an like, affinity for it. Only so, yeah, like I'm not going to say this is a great movie. I haven't revisited it since I was a teenager, but I loved this movie as a teenager. Really? I had it on DVD. Did you have this and like Buffalo Soldiers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Buffalo Soldiers yeah. too, you know, <laughs> early Walking Phoenix. I think I just like that dark comedy. And it was also around that wave of like dark 90s. These comedies like Very Bad Things, although I think Very Bad Things is a better movie that holds I do like up. Very Bad Things with very, very good movie. man Peter Berg, yeah, right? exactly. No, he's bad. <laughs> no, he's, he's bad. bad. <laughs> but this movie, yeah, it's very much like a Fargo type. I should watch it. I feel yeah. like I would enjoy it. I it's, like Vince Vaughn as I an think actor. It's fun though. Like it's got a great bad yeah, man as well. Walk, yeah. Walking Walk, Phoenix, Vince Vaughn, and Janine Garofalo. Who no, I like Jolene like. Gall yeah, and Walking like Phoenix too. too. And Walking Phoenix is just kind of like adult in a small town. The Joker and, himself. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, a film I Joker. still have not yet seen. Me I'm either. the only good man. Speaking of bad men, I haven't either. Yeah. I haven't either. Uh, but Vince Vaughn kind of does his like creepy, funny thing in this. Oh, I like, like it. He's like a killer who like yeah, his town. If he was an uh, yeah. Norman Bates type, exactly. if only that right. happened yeah, in, in some a form. Psycho phase. Same yeah. year as Psycho. Yeah. Uh, Serious actor. He gets Janine Garot or her, he gets Joaquin Phoenix involved in this crime. There's a mm-hmm. murder. Joaquin Phoenix is implicated, and Janine Garofalo is the cop basically who's trying to figure it out I had a good time with this though I always liked this as a kid again I'm not sure if it's gonna hold up as well these days but wait how long is it it's 104 it minutes long. too long uh, too maybe long. a little long yeah. I remember it like it still stands out in my mind though it was one of those movies as a kid that's really like stuck mm-hmm. with me so I don't know I guess probably it's one of the earlier movies I saw that had like sex and violence in it so that's probably mm. part of the reason but not anywhere as good as like a Fargo but it's got that so what you're trying to say like, is this film defined who you are yes Nothing yeah. but trouble, clay pigeons. Very bad things. <laughs> yeah, you want some all. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So moving yeah. on, we have, did you watch this? Oh, yeah. I so, reviewed this, actually, for uh, Slant Magazine uh, when 
that the came misfits. Out. <laughs> I always forget that like people can't see what we're doing, so we'll talk about a movie yeah, for a long time without saying the title. It's good though; it builds up some suspense. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they talking about? So we're talking about the misfits. Obviously, the classic John Sturges <laughs> western. Oh, oh wait, no. Yeah, and Rennie Harlan has remade it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a film that has the misfits title. Yeah, me and my pal Will Sloan watch this during the quarantine because we're like, oh, Rennie Harlan, Pierce Brosnan. Oh yeah, and of we've course, talked a lot about Pierce Brosnan on this podcast. Uh, he's not credited. Oh, he is. He's second build on this poster. Oh yeah. Did, did you know I the know story behind like, this yeah, movie? Yeah. Oh, I know. I did all the research on this uh, movie when it was so good out. that this is a vanity project. It one is, yeah. that almost doesn't get made anymore, right? No, like, no. I mean, I think you see it sometimes in these like sort mm-hmm. of VOD type action movies, but not maybe as big of a scale as this one because this one actually has like a decentish mm. budget and not Pierce Brosnan. No, no. we're talking about Raimi Jaber. <laughs> Who? Who? <laughs> Uh, after doing some research on the internet, I was still asking that same question because yeah, he's like, oh, I have millions of YouTube followers. He does not. No. So I think he is royalty. And I was looking online. That's probably why he has so much money. I think uh, you're right. He credits himself as like a stock driver, even though yeah. I found videos that have like 50 hits. On Instagram, he has an absurd amount of followers. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they are all legitimate. All legitimate. He definitely doesn't buy those. Yeah. But he's just a supporting role in this movie. But he's the coolest uh, guy in the world. But he's like cool, like tech guy, yeah. basically. He's the cool tech guy of the group. So what is The Misfits? It's basically about a group of criminals. Misfits, if you will. Thieves that call themselves misfits. They're like Robin Hoods. They steal from the rich and, I don't know, just keep for themselves. I I can't think of a film... Like, as slick, and I'm putting that in air quotes, as this, that has so little action in it or set pieces. Yeah. (laughs) But Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. He is old man. (laughs) Hammier than he's ever been. Yeah. I Um, love that he has sex. He's shirtless. Those muffin rolls are just like. Well, it's funny. There's like one scene in it where he's like, yeah, he has like a random one night stand Mm. with like a girl in Dubai. And it's very like James Bond esque. And then he like gets up after the next morning. He's like, oh. You can see. He's like, so it's almost like they're doing a riff on like the old James Bond, like reckoning with the fact that he's not young anymore and everything. But like, there's not really that level of introspection in this movie. He just like walks around like the. Smirk on his face, oh like pursed lips the entire time. Like, mm, nice watch. He can just do these roles on autopilot now, you know? He just, It's I, basically like a cast vacation, this movie in it, Dubai, right? I mean, Rennie Harlan is definitely on autopilot in this movie. Ooh, yeah, I mean, this is his first... English language film for a while because he's been making Chinese blockbusters. And for the actually, last one of them, uh, Bodies at Rest, is fun. Okay, I where seen it's that. like a it's like a siege film in a morgue okay. where like some criminals are trying to get a uh, like something off of a body, and there's mm. only like I think it's a cop or morgue attendant. They're the only one that can stop them. Okay. And he also did a mega blockbuster in China that bombed real hard, yeah. and he made both of those films simultaneously, and right. they took years and years and years to come out. So uh, I guess yeah, the Misfits is like someone hired him. They're probably like, oh, I love Cliffhanger. And he's yeah. like, I will do the bare minimum that you ask of me. Well, I think you can tell he's sort of trying to recapture that 90s magic a uh, little bit. Like, not that don't it, you mean like works, 2001 but... magic? It's like, yeah, you're probably wondering like, how I got here. That Driven magic, <laughs> yeah. you know. I've um, never seen Driven. No. Oh, no. Oh, you got to watch Driven. Man. Driven is <laughs> Toronto's fun. own Driven. Driven is very funny. But um, I think the last Rennie Harlan film I saw was Skip Trace, Ooh, which awful, is an awful, awful film. Terrible, yeah. terrible movie. But... You know what? I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit more fun with this than I would have ne- expected. I like Tim Roth. I thought it was okay. Oh, Tim Roth sleepwalks through this movie. <laughs> Love it. So Love hard. it. He's like, I what's mean, going on? Uh, yeah. It's me, Tim Roth. Tim Roth, yeah. 
And then you also get Nick Cannon in this, who is oh. hella annoying. Oh, the comedy of the film. narrates the whole thing. Yeah, narrates the introduces whole thing. Introduces everybody. There's the like a beginning. Matrix parody. Oh, my God. Like, no, it was in the right? first five minutes, and you're like, oh. Yeah. But you know it's from the pen of the artist of the film, Rami Jaber. Yeah, like, exactly. Definitely. Is he credited as screenwriter? I don't think so. No, I think yeah. Story by, probably. Oh, you know, you know who one of the writers is? Oh, I do know. It's Kurt, Kurt Wimmer. Kurt Wimmer, yeah. Yes. One of the two writers. <laughs> Mr. Gun Ta himself, yeah. equilibrium. Man, I was big into Kurt Wimmer for that Ooh, very small I mean, slice of the... What e happened? What happened? When like, Equilibrium came out, we all lost our minds. When is Shout Select <laughs> Ultraviolet coming out? Yo, That's what oh, I want. Director's film. cut. Director's Such cut. Because you know film. that one was taken out of his hands, I right? Know. Yeah. And Did I... you watch? Were you enough of a nerd? Did you see the like footage that somebody filmed at a convention of one of the gunfights in Ultraviolet? I think I did. Yeah, where it's like point. going through the glasses. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the entire time. Oh, that movie is so terrible. I saw like, it. Opening day. It. You saw and it. And I was day. like, oof. Wow. Terrible. With the girl I was dating at the time, she's like, oh, that was bad. I was like, yeah, yeah it's bad. it was. <laughs> I remember when I was, I think when I first started working at Roger's Video years mm. ago, it was coming out right when I worked. It was like the first free rental I took out. I'm like, oh, I've been waiting to see this. Oh, what an atrocious film. But, you know, he also wrote Law Abiding Citizen, which is uh, uh, disappointing. Fun, fun great. Disappointing. Hey. <laughs> disappointing. Hey. Kurt Wimmer has an abysmal track record. He does. He's not Like, good. Point not Break, good. the remake. Oof, yeah. <laughs> he wrote that recent horror film, Spell, which I heard was... Didn't he direct one? On his uh, IMDb, there's a Children of the Corn film that he directed. Mm. I don't know if it came out, though. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I don't know what happened with that, but I have yeah. seen that on. The, <laughs> They're like, we need it theatrically. Page, we yeah. need it theatrically because it's shot. There's yeah. like photos of the movie and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So I remember reading on the forum at the Equilibrium Height, someone said that like he knew someone who was his assistant, and his job was like watching all the action movies and cutting the action scenes out <laughs> yeah. and giving it to Kurt Wimmer, so like he could see what was like new and like what he could uh, <laughs> experiment on. And I guess that went away considering yeah. the rest of his career. It did. It's so moving on. Oh, we're really in the mark. You know what? Let's well, get more new. Trash, more new trash. Yeah, but or, before know, we can... get to the trash, sure. let's. Did you watch the next? <laughs> I did. Oh god. Okay. So before we get to that, Day of the Reaper, a new SRS home video. Now I've been burned before. I'm looking at you, Sharks of the Corn. But hey, I believe um... it's the same director that that, that made I this believe one. So yeah. But he made this one in 1984 when he was 14 years old or 15. It says on the back here, 15 year old. Tim Ritter, director of Trucer Dare, Critical Madness, great classic film. film. Great film. And it was shot on Super 8, and it's a slasher. So. 17 bucks a Bay Street video. Oh. What else do you need? <laughs> so is it good? I, I know you picked this um, up. Uh, it's not good. It's interesting. It's fun, fun to watch in a way that his newer film is not. Like, okay. yeah, the I thing is like shot like, on yeah. mini DV uh, movies versus shot on Super 8 when it's a bunch of energetic kids splashing ketchup on each other. Yeah. There's a huge difference between both of those. And yeah. this one is really fun. Even though that Tim Ritter has after this, he was trapped in a truth or dare uh, vortex where he made like seven you truth or so dare films. <laughs> It's like, what is Truth or Dare, though? No. I don't even know. <laughs> what is it? And Killing Spree. Those are, I think, the Spree. other yep. films that he was famous for. And it's yeah. nice that Day of the Reaper, I think it was yeah, only I... sold through him for a while. I think so, yeah. And I, I love these SRS releases. I love these covers. They just remind me of the Intervision stuff. Yeah, like. rest in peace. And rest in peace, yeah. No more Intervision. Oh, no, aren't they doing that, like, Masturbating Gunman movie? Isn't oh, is that an Intervision title? That's an Intervision oh, title. you know what yeah. I'm thinking of? I think it's Bleeding still... Skull yes. that went out of print. Yeah. Oh, the... Bleeding Skull? No, uh, what was 
was it? Um, you were telling me this that like a bunch of the DVDs were going oh, out of the print. Agfa, so the early Agfa, yeah, stuff. early Agfa yeah, stuff. So some, yeah. I own all of them. So, so, yeah, yeah. No, same here. Early, yeah. I think even stuff like Wicked World might be out of print now. Really, Wicked World. We've been waiting on reorder. Well, Bat Pussy is definitely out of print. That oh, you know what? I don't. I actually don't sure. have that one. Yeah, you might have missed your shot. I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. Wait, Lady Street Fighter is out of print now. Do I own Bat Pussy? Maybe I do. Oh, a Soul Tangler. That's what we were talking about. Oh, I really like Soul Tangler. Blood Lake, which is really funny. Oh, love Blood Lake. Man, love is a strong word. I like Blood Lake. I love Blood Lake. There's a book called Analog Nightmares that has an interview with the director that literally I had like tears in my eyes at the end. Not laughing, but like it's genuinely sad him talking about how much Blood Lake meant to him and like doing it. I mean, you could tell. You could tell. Speaking of films that have emotional backbones. <laughs> Let's go to the last film. American Traitor, The Trial of Axis Sally. Yeah. And this is your favorite genre of movie, the World War II movie. No! <laughs> and a recent World War II movie starring Mr. Al Pacino in a hilarious looking She's got a wig. huge ass. Yeah. <laughs> so does Al Pacino, you read that interview that came out, right? Where uh, Al was like, I like taking lower budget movies that like even the scripts are bad <laughs> because I hope to elevate it or to try to make it okay through okay. my performance. You know, it's a noble cause. And what that translates to is just him going as big as he I can. Just, oh yeah. But I have a feeling it's a sleepwalky Al, right? You know what? It's not sleepwalky alley. Wow. He's actually well, he's definitely the best thing about yeah. this movie. Dunk a Cheeto. Actually also doesn't go really over the top. Call me dunk. I know. <laughs> I like Al Pacino. He, I like Al Pacino. He has too. really funny sass. I remember Me hearing too. about a TIFF QA he did where they have like rich people and he was like, What am I doing? What, what, what is this? Like, hilarious. Yeah. No, he's actually way more kind of like serious and mm-hmm. grounded in this, which is surprising to me. So basically, this is like you know, straight to VOD movie, but it's a true story based on Axis Sally, who was like an American radio host who was in Germany doing like a German radio broadcast right. under the Nazis. She was Basically, doing it like being like, join our side. Yeah, I've, I've seen that movie and, like, before. impart mm. Nazi messages to American soldiers mm. who were over there. And then obviously when the war ended, she was, you know, taken back to the U.S. and put on trial for war crimes. Mm. Even Sounds like an interesting technically story. technically she didn't do anything. Yeah. Speaking of vanity projects, though, which is why I put it with the misfits, apart from Al, the, the actress that plays Axis Sally, Meadow Williams, basically paid for this movie to oh, like be I love her. that so she was like a bit part actress mm-hmm. and you're and then she married I believe a a vitamin supplement uh like like snake oil uh, sort of yeah, basically. yeah and he died left her like millions and millions of dollars and it was a big co- please tell me she spent it, it all on this court, movie it was a big court case because apparently his kids like didn't get mm-hmm. much or something or they didn't think she should get anything because they were only together for like a couple years he was like way older than her <laughs> oh Anyways, since then, she's been producing some movies with Randall Emmett, who we've been talking about, the guy who made Midnight in the Switchgrass. He produced this movie, too. And basically, this is... This is like a vanity project for her to have like Love a lead it. role. She's trying to have like her Oscar moments in it because you get Al Pacino in it. There's Thomas Kretschmann's in this too. So there are a few actors. Thomas Kretschmann? Yeah, you know, like nope. from The Pianist. Some of these in The nope. Pianist. Don't yeah, know that movie. Famous like German. Oh, actor. I wish Adrian Brody was there. Re- yeah, no Adrian re- Brody. Retaking his pianist role. He could be in this. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know what? Al Pacino was in more of it than I thought. I thought he only, might only be in a few scenes. Like in one room? Yeah, he's <laughs> actually her lawyer and okay. he gets a lot of lawyery scenes. Oh, I like that. Room doing but he's not like, hoo 
No, he doesn't go too big, but he does still have the owl mannerisms. Mm. He just, you know, this is probably the best like performance of his I've seen. Better than Hangman? <laughs> I haven't seen Hangman yet. I'm sure it's awful. It's probably bad. I mean, not as good as something like 88 Minutes, but I mean, let's. <laughs> you are the only one who I've ever said yeah, like that. Right? So wait, I'm trying to get a uh, picture of this. So is it cheap and bad? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely okay. cheap and bad. It's directed by Michael Polish, who is one of the Polish brothers who made are those like creepy Slenderman looking guys who were uh, made Twin Falls, Idaho. You remember that? Movie? No, I have like no memory of that. You ever see The Good Thief with Nick Nolte? Uh, like these, no, the okay, Neil. Like um, never mind. I'm just. Um, oh yeah, he's an actor. We've talked actor about him too. before, haven't he's we? Like a cre- yeah, he, but he's a director. Okay, first but he's a creepy something. He oh, just kind of looks like Slenderman to me. He's oh, like, and he played Slenderman in he movies? Was, he's married to, no, he's married <laughs> okay. to Kate Bosworth. Yeah. It's... And they broke up recently, but there is, oh, no. uh, you know. Anyways, that means you have a chance, I clearly, Mark. I clearly have no too much about Michael Polish for some reason. <laughs> but no commentary, no nothing. No Just nothing on heart. this. Anyways, this is a new movie from that. It, yeah, like, is it good? No. You know what? It was a little more watchable, though, mm. than some of these movies (laughs) but not bad enough to recommend either if you like legal thrillers Mm -hmm. legal movies i'd say you probably get a kick out of it but there's a lot of flashback stuff to like when she's in world war ii and that stuff's kind of boring because it's like you know standard world (sighs) war ii bullshit so i've read an interview recently about the fascinating world of red box distribution that they pay for movies too apparently and just like trash that they don't even watch yeah yeah like charles van had to deal with them for a while really and like usually and they do it on the band model where they like get a title and a plot synopsis and they give it to filmmakers and they say make a movie like this Okay. and okay. whatever it is we don't really care I love that that's like Poverty that's Row yeah, yeah I'm down with that Redbox give me a call we'll, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll make something we'll make some movies I got it I got but, you because that's something uh, there are Redboxes in Canada but yeah, it's not, it doesn't so. seem prevalent in the way that I hear yeah, people I talk about it I never see them I think yeah. I remember seeing one at like near the like mm. a Loblaws at yeah. the West End at one point and I was like oh my god there's a Redbox but you know what it may be a more small town thing as well Yeah. that don't have so. video stores but then again as someone who deals with an older clientele yeah it seems weird to me that if you can't use the internet you can use a redbox machine yeah right <laughs> so but maybe redbox just sends in agents to explain it to people <laughs> get them in into the redbox world i don't know i gotta try getting something from redbox you know i never uh <laughs> never went down the redbox road when i think of redbox i think of those machines it's a funny idea to that me. the last time i saw at a drive-in where it's like you can win the dvds and yeah, they're just like yeah, yeah, yeah. ancient things oh, where it's yeah. like what could i win oh nicholas cage is the wicker man yeah. eh? <laughs> on dvd I mean, i'd be happy to win <laughs> full that. screen edition <laughs> <laughs> with. Yeah, even better. <laughs> but yeah, so if anybody has any red box knowledge, maybe someone who lives in the states, yeah, comment. I would please, like to know. Is it us. a regular thing? Like, yeah, what's we're, the we're deal like spacemen. With like, what's yeah. going on? Like, I've heard of it, and I've heard people just use it. Oh, you know, I red box it, like in casual conversations. Yeah. Which <laughs> I red box it. <laughs> yeah, I red boxed that last night. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but <laughs> I know it's true. It's like uh, you know WhatsApp. That yeah. it's not a North American thing, right? Okay. It's like okay. stuff that people use. So drop in the comments. Let us know how it is is there weirder movies give me your red box story perhaps mark does not get and yeah. maybe that would explain why so, so certain movies are made steven seagal still keep you know still churning them out cranking them out yeah he's got that sweet red box deal i guess, <laughs> I guess. that's the first time i've seen red box on the box yeah the box. i noticed that on there uh, and didn't and mongrel canada's own yeah mongrel took the canadian distribution for this in the states it is vertical which is great for 
putting out this kind of uh, really trash. bad trash. <laughs> Real bad trash. So that's it for the Basement Video Podcast. They're still open. We for are. How long? Who knows? Who knows? Look you at know, those numbers. Numbers going up, 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 up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, until then, come and buy stuff. Yeah. Uh, come and buy Hong Kong movies because China's coming to take them away. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> yeah. You know, just buy the stuff that we do have and Please. apologies for all the stuff that we don't. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there's that you haven't seen. There's a lot of stuff we don't have. Um, there's a lot of stuff. No, that, no, that you, know. you do have. That's what I was going yes, for. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of stuff we do have <laughs> that you haven't seen. So, uh, you know. Mark's like, why come? We, we barely have anything yeah, here. sorry we don't have the dead zone for you yet. But, you know, pick up the, the Misfits. American Trader. Do American not pick up the Misfits. Do yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I would say I maybe had more fun with the Misfits than American Trader, though, if I'm being mm, honest. All right. Slightly. It's, it's tough. So that's it for the Base Review Podcast. My name is Justin Glue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. <laughs> have you ever seen Scent of a Woman? I never have. Really? Actually. I've seen like half of it. On he TV. says hoo-ha only twice. <laughs> Does he? Yes. But The Simpsons and specifically The Critic has led me to believe that that's all he says in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Scent of a Wolfman. And it's yeah. just Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. <laughs>